Hi, I'm the Internet's Me, and website 1900hotdog.com has been kidnapped by Anime Week. DogZone 9000 is no exception. Are you a bad enough dude for Brockway? Because that's his intro. Here's Brockway. Here's a Brockway fact. I thought I was hosting today. Uh, (laughs) 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 We run a tight ship here. Tight ship. Hey, if you want to host, take it from the top. Let's do multiple hosts. Was that your intro? Are you all done? Did you have more bits? Do the rest of your bits. I have no more. I was going to introduce our, our very special Anime Week episode guest. Do that. Uh, let, let's do it. And again, uh, sorry about Anime Week. But uh, today we have our own beloved weekly columnist. She loves pumping fakes and smashing cakes. Lydia Bug. Hello. Again, Hi. I'm here. Again, I won't say thank you for having me. All right, ready? We're going to do second intro. Here we go. This is the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1-900-HOT-DOG, America's last comedy website. I'm the giant robot who is also your mom, Robert Brockway, and with me is the beefcake who can summon a second beefcake to stop time, Sean Baby. And of course, the talented and wonderful woman who can turn other women into swords, Lydia Buck. Yes, hi, I am here. And now, listeners, you can pick and choose which one you like better. I think We're I, leaving yours both was in. nice. Yeah, let's leave them both in. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I like the sword thing. No, it's the a, sword it's thing a choose, cool. your, choose your own adventure at home. Uh, my notes say for this part of the show, uh, banter. What, what do yours say? Like, let's. I wanted to ask. Figure out our uh, since show. it is anime week, again, I'm sorry about anime week to, to you two on the podcast, but also to the listeners at home. Uh, uh, it's. It's not something I thought I would have to apologize for, but as we will soon come to realize, yes, it is. Uh, I just wanted to know, like... This was your first choice. You're like, I won't have to apologize for this. My first choice is the most awful thing that's ever (laughs) been. No, no, we're not getting into it. We're waiting. We're going to enjoy this time (laughs) that we have away from it as long as we can. Uh, My my notes were just, uh, what's like your experience with anime? Lydia, what do you know about anime? Do you watch anything? Have you watched anything? 
I've watched a few like of the really popular things like Cowboy Bebop, of course, I've seen and I think it's great. I've seen when I was a kid, I watched Sailor Moon. And the other day, for some reason, my husband asked me, like, what's Sailor Moon about? And I had to try and describe the plot to him. And I realized just how bonkers that show is from what I can remember, which I I don't know if it's correct, but. Have him like, watch it. Uh, I never, I always like at that era, that was definitely when I was like very young kid to teenager. And I, I didn't watch it. I watched like Dragon Ball Z instead. But uh, my wife had me watch all of Sailor Moon and I got totally hooked. It's so bonkers. It's the craziest goddamn show. Yeah, it's like aliens and reincarnation all kind of mixed into one thing. And it's, and there's like the whole kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer-esque like child who appears from nowhere who's like a key to another dimension if I'm remembering it right, that's I believe how I she. It. I believe she is the moon. Yes, like, I believe. <laughs> yeah. that, I believe that's what the Sailor Moon is. It's it's great. Everybody <laughs> should watch that show. Yeah, uh, but other than that, I do not watch much anime. Yeah, so you're like medium anime. You're like the normal person today anime. You know a yeah. couple of things about it, not much. Uh, Sean, what what's your anime? Mm-hmm. What's your anime experience? Oh wow, your okay. anime resume. Um, I uh, grew up as a comic book illustrator, and so I really tried to enjoy anime because I sort of like, um, maybe not the anime style, but I love the Western artists inspired by the anime style, like uh, Joe Manarera and Ed McGinnis. And so uh, I was like, let me try to get these guys' influences and try to understand them. And so um, like I saw Akira, which I think everyone saw, and then Ninja Scroll, which I actually sort of enjoyed. Uh, there was a Street Fighter II, the animated movie anime that kind of fucking rules, and then everything I tried after that annoyed the shit out of me. I just, I couldn't stand it. I had a roommate in college who worked at a comic book store who brought home anime every night. And I just tried so hard to like it. Uh, never could. Do you remember and, uh, anything so that you tried that you hated? Oh, geez. Uh, I, probably everything. Uh, the thing you gave us to watch <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like from that era, like in your early times, was he like, I brought home, I, I don't know, fucking Naruto or something. Yeah, probably after the time when I'd really tried Vampire to Vampire Hunter it. D. Um, I feel like I watched the first era. Dragon Ball before it was a Z, and I was like, this is almost cute. I remember being so bored by that. Just like I couldn't believe anyone liked this shit. Uh, it's it's really funny to me that, like, I, I assumed hmm. that you liked anime. <laughs> like, if we're going to have an anime <laughs> well, I mean, I'm week, kind of a nerd in a lot of ways. You, yeah, I just, I feel like, <laughs> how did we end up having an anime week? <laughs> did Broadway oh, just me. bully everyone in? Okay, yeah. yes. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Well, I feel okay. like my love of irony, like, doesn't translate because it feels like real normal anime is already very, very strange to, like, my sensibilities. And so then someone says, no, you got to see, like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's totally crazy. I'm like, yeah, but it's all totally crazy. So what's the... <laughs> What's the foil it's playing against? I don't speak the language. So if and you say so, nonsense in that language, it's just the same thing. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what's a pun and what's a bad joke and what's a good joke and what's a total failure. Uh, that's so, perfect. Yeah, I, I, See, that's perfect. And that's kind of what I assumed. <laughs> like, that's perfect that you're an enemy of anime from way back. Uh, and that's kind of what I assumed. Because at least coming out of this now, you can be like, okay, that was bad. That was a bad anime. And now I have a baseline. Right for the rest of the things because now you can differentiate between other anime and what i've given you this week i I don't think it's hard to differentiate between this and anything else that is bad yeah (laughs) sure i don't don't need any context to know that this is bad all right well before we get into it and we're going to get into it 
no matter how hard you try to get away. Uh, <laughs> Lydia, is there anything you want to plug before we get started? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I work for a really cool website called 1-900-HOTDOG.COM where um, I recently wrote an article that I really liked Sold about <laughs> about how on the show Bridezillas, the brides get mad and punch their wedding cake like every three episodes. And it's one of my favorite things ever. It's like a weird. Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I really liked writing that. And it's a thing that I thought like everyone knew until I was talking to my friends. And I was like, you know, like the TV trope where on Bridezilla's, they always punch their wedding cake. And she was like, what? And then I was like, oh, God, I got to inform everyone of this. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the article is great, but I think we did a disservice by having gifts because you got to watch like a clip of that. I went and looked up a clip of that. And you, there's like a smack when they punch a wedding cake. When you punch a good cake, yeah, it's just like, oh. That is satisfying. That's a yeah. cake pump. It's so satisfying. Now, I looked up, um, I was doing the uh, graphics for that, and I was going to do like the cute little ad at the end of, a, of the article. So I, I Googled smashing cakes just kind of as the start, just to sort of visual, visually inspire myself. And I realized that smash cakes are a thing that you give to babies for like, like if it's a one-year-old's birthday, you make a tiny little cake just so the baby can fuck it up. Yeah. And someone... Someone in the comment section like explained this whole phenomenon and said, like, yeah, smash cake is what you give to a baby. And uh, the point you made in the article is that it's very clearly staged. Like, here's the wedding cake, but then here's also like a tiny little wedding cake over here just for the star of this TV show to smash. Yeah. And so they made the point that that that's kind of like a smash cake for a baby. Like this this <laughs> stupid bride comes in and gets her own little little baby cake to smash. And I thought that was so funny. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I just, I really love smashing cakes and here's like a, a, a way to enjoy it on a higher level. Yeah. The comment section the, for the, that the was. The show. Yeah. It was, yeah. I was just going to say it's a gold comment section. Cause someone also said that they were like a cake baker and that a, a full size wedding cake would be like impossible to actually punch. Cause it has like thick dowel rods in it. And that, right. that just made me really want to watch <laughs> one where a bride like lays into the cake and breaks her hand or something. Just, like Jackie Chan on one of those oh, training dummies. Just walk, 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 walk. Yeah. <laughs> just think of how satisfied that like groom to be would be just like oh sweetheart your hand will be okay and he's just like looking into the camera like yeah she finally got what was coming to her this fucking you crazy. lost a fight to a cake <laughs> sweetie oh i know oh they got the flowers wrong oh poor thing all right john what do you want to plug uh oh um i also love the website 1900hotdoc.com and um I do have a bone to pick with it. I was working this week on a Bill O'Reilly uh, biographical comic book, and it like legitimately fucked my brain up because by the end of it, I think I understand Bill O'Reilly. Like oh, no. it was accidentally a very oh, good that's biography. Not that's not yeah, worth so, whatever we make. Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't say I'm sympathetic to him, but um, but like by the end of the comic, I'm like, oh, I get exactly why he did this. I know the truth of this lie. Because the thing about Bill O'Reilly is he's not like, like a full liar, like Donald Trump, he doesn't make shit up. He's like a, like a spin guy. So something sort of happened when he tells a lie. You're like, okay, what's the element of truth there? And so, for example, he tells uh, one of the stories. There's only like two or three anecdotes in here, and one of them is his most heroic story is a time he made sure a black guy in his college got a bad grade. Uh, and let me tell you this story. So he heard a rumor that there's this sensitive teacher in quotes who gave all the black students B pluses. Already off to a solid start. <laughs> yeah, already it's like, uh, it feels like you're counting the non-white people, Bill O'Reilly, yep. <laughs> uh, and keeping track of their grades. Like, why are you surveilling the non-whites, Bill? 
so he heard this rumor. And see, this is where I understood Bill O'Reilly well enough to know that this was not a rumor. This was him who somehow he he's doing this himself, obviously. Uh, he saw and, one black yet, guy get a B and he was like, that can't be right. Okay, so you get him for sure. Because, yeah, that's that's my uh, more cynical point of view is that this is just a small sample size of one dude. So his theory is that she gives B pluses to all the black students. So he meets a guy named Nate and he's a giant dick and he knows Bill O'Reilly's sucks. But the thing is, Bill O'Reilly does suck. Like in his own biography, everybody hates Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> and he admits that he admits that he is sitting next to this guy just for this undercover sting. Like he's here to expose the reverse racism of this class. And so um, this guy knows like, what? why the fuck is this guy staring at me? This terrible like sex pest that everyone on campus hates is sitting next to me and staring at me. I hate this. So he uh, semester's over. Uh, Nate apparently wasn't a great student. Uh, Bill O'Reilly did not list uh, all the details of the surveillance, but um, he got a B. So whatever, like theory broken. This is science. Uh, the theory was he'll get a B plus. He didn't get a B plus. Um, you've disproven your hypothesis. But he's uh, like a right wing pundit, so he doesn't exactly use the same science as us. So he got a B. So that just means the same thing he thought it would mean, except now he sucks so hard the teacher couldn't even give him B plus. So he confronts him uh, after he writes a, a column for the fucking school paper about how this teacher gave him a B and he didn't deserve a B because he's not white. B basically, I, I don't want to spin it too much, but basically that's it. It's, it's uh, as racist as you can be. It's just very directly racist. But he's using it as an example of how he's not racist, how he's so <laughs> colorblind. He just wants to make sure all the racists get the same grades according to their color. Uh, so... <laughs> so wow. here he is. This was like one of the best stories he has guy. to tell in his own biography. That's how significant this event was yes. in his life. This is like the second experience with race he had. That's what it says in the book. Second experience with race. The first experience with race, and this is a story he tells in the comic book, was he met four black dudes when he played football in college, and two of them were kind of funny. And that's it. He's just like he's so not racist that he keeps Imagine track of putting every your non-white person he meets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And makes so, little notes about him about who was funny and who got to be yep. plus and yeah. How many black? They're people just have like you us. The life? other, the lesser races. Yes. <laughs> I love Bill, Bill O'Reilly fucking knows, and he kept track of their grades. I think. I think. Oh, I, I'm almost done. I'm almost oh, done. Oh, yeah, he uh, confronts Nate about it, and Nate's like, uh, "And I, well, I'm not going to get this quote exactly right, but he says I don't care about no jive ass course. Like it's it's very racistly written, and he basically." doesn't admit to it, but he says, I do not care about this non-elective course that I took. Like whatever fucking geology 101, whatever the fuck this was, I don't care. It's a B. Who gives a shit? And Bill O'Reilly took that to be proof that like, haha, I, I know you coasted by on your skin color. Because you know how like everything's so easy for, for non-white people. It's just like you go to class, everyone's giving you B pluses because you're black. Especially in what I'm going um, to assume is the early 70s. Was yeah. when this would take God, place. Yeah, it might have been late sixties. Things yeah, were real easy is, breezy back then for for people of yeah, color this, for sure. At, at that dude could have straight up found like a whites only pool. Yeah, like it's fucking a racist world this guy is living in. And Bill O'Reilly's like, I'm not get let you get a fucking passing grade, you non-white, because I'm not racist. I just want everything to be fair. Uh, so this guy basically uh, admits it, according to Bill O'Reilly, and then just. Yada, yada, at the very tail end of like a, a text bubble, like he um, 
eventually dropped out of school and murdered a policeman. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> like, like he told sure. that lie okay. so, <laughs> so casually. Just like, yes, this dude that maybe I didn't make up, maybe I did, went on to murder a policeman. And uh, here's my next story. Uh, one time I met a Chinese guy at the grocery store and he was, you know, he was, he didn't know Kung Fu. That was weird, right? Anyway, he uh, murdered a policeman. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. So that was like my experience with Bill O'Reilly. And the thing is, when I got to that story, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm writing about. But then as I was like reading it and pulling clips from it, I'm like, oh my God, like I I like get what the truth is in this lie. And it makes him even more racist than like when I went into this thinking, oh, I'm going to write an article about this. So anyway, that um, that kind of wrecked me. So for a couple of days, I just been sort of living in Bill O'Reilly's head. And that, that, that can't be good for you. Well, that yeah, that piece is going to come out uh, day after tomorrow. So well before this podcast airs. So everybody will have seen it yeah. by that point. And I'm, I'm not spoiling anything when I say uh, what got me about this comic was I, I, I'm going to assume this is a result of the writer of the comic just grabbing like Bill O'Reilly's biography and then pulling yeah, out all sure. of like the non non dialogue text and kind of paraphrasing the action so that it fits in like a comic book page. So when you take out like structural pieces of Bill O'Reilly's like nonstop bullshit and just say like the things that he's actually saying happened, it makes <laughs> him look way yes. fucking worse than maybe he meant to look. <laughs> That's what I have right. to assume happened because he looks like such an asshole. And it's not, it's, it, this is a no spin zone, everybody. He looks like such an asshole <laughs> in the book. Like he'll just beat people up for no reason. He's blatantly racist to people. Yeah. He, he counts blacks, which is just generally not a great thing to do. And it, he ends the comic by saying, like looking to the camera and saying, I'm going to die alone. Like fucking what? <laughs> How unlikable do you have to be to like acknowledge in your autobiography that you're writing, that you can say anything and that like people don't yep. like you. And that <laughs> like, specifically you're going yeah. to die alone. Specifically call that out. Yeah, he doesn't think it's believable and that he's likable. <laughs> part of the, great. the key uh, element to understanding him was learning that he thinks his misery and everything that's been put upon him, like when he totally sucks and everyone hates him, he thinks that's like a badge of honor. And so as you go through the comic book and he's talking about being a giant asshole, he, he tells the stories as if he's bragging, as if he's like, look at how hard my life is. Nobody liked me and I was always punching people in the face. And that's what makes me strong. And that's what makes America great. And it's just like, like I don't know, it, it doesn't make sense when I say it out loud. But like when you're there, when you're inside his head, you can like see the threads and how they connect. Also, it was written by a madman. Uh, every time I do one of these articles and I like make the mistake of Googling the fucking author, I find like th like you turn over these rocks and you're like, oh no, this person's a madman too. So this guy who wrote this comic also wrote a Glenn Beck and a Laura Ingraham and a, and a Donald Trump book. And so he's kind of a right-wing nut job, but he's also like a karate man. And he is very obsessed with this movie called The Martial Arts Kid, which is the most fucking karate kid <laughs> knockoff that could ever be. It sounds... It's like a directly translated Karate Kid knockoff from Turkey. There are like several it, other synonyms that you would have to work through to get to martial. Like Kung yes. Fu Kid would be there. <laughs> like karate yeah, Chop no, I Kid. I think someone made that. Oh, <laughs> I, I like that. But yeah, so they just landed on Martial Arts Kid. They they cast every 80s like martial arts, like I don't want to say has been, but like people past their prime that you can get to show up for 20 grand for an hour shoot. Anyway, uh, he wrote... 47 articles about just random cast decisions. So it's like, he wrote like, hey, Don the Dragon Wilson is cast in the martial arts kid. That's a feature article he'll write. Then the next day, 
this guy wrote a song for the martial arts kid. And that's a whole feature article. He did this for like fucking two years straight. <laughs> so that's crazy, right? Yeah. And so I'm just trying to like, how do I fucking, I got to stop the article and just do an article on how crazy this is, right? So again, like never Google the maniacs behind the maniacs is, is the lesson. I, I would argue it, it serves as a nice little intermission when you're like, God, I'm so sick of Bill O'Reilly. Oh, let's get sick of That's this true. guy for That's a little true. bit. And then once you are, we go back to Bill O'Reilly. And it's like it's like the ginger in between rounds of sushi, just a little pickled ginger to refresh your palate. Like, oh, okay. That's it. And I've I've been doing I've been doing this so long. That's just instinct. I didn't even think, hey, I should fix the structure of this article. It's like, no, I just like do that on instinct alone. Like I'm in a Bill O'Reilly hole, and then my fingers just perfectly structure these comedic articles. So there's like acts and waves and you're so lucky. You're so lucky that guy turned out to be a weird maniac. What if he was the one one <laughs> time true. you get a normal guy? Just all it has to do is happen once and you're fucked. God, what a terrible week. That whole article would have fallen have, apart. This was really sucked for yeah, you to like do do the you yeah. did Bill O'Reilly and then you had to watch this that? shit. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, that's true. That's a good transition out of the Bill O'Reilly because it's maybe time to talk about Kenneth yeah, that was the, that we was the talking fun. About, we never have to talk about Kenneth. <laughs> no, that was the fun part of the podcast, and it's over. <laughs> I didn't, it's over I didn't now. mean it's to over. end it. I wanted to empathize with no, you. No, you did this. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to get my plug out of the way. I want to plug our merch store, something I promised that I would forget to do, oh, and I did. You. But now I remember. Uh, PoxcoStore.com, P-O-X-C-O store. You know that word, dot com. Put us on and in your body. Still haven't beaten that tagline. All right. Well, we should. What sell, else like, could some, this be? Like brain pills or something. That's like the we key don't? to the good podcast money. We sell some. We I'm should sell some pills. I don't think we do. essential Are oils. You, that I make you good at karate. I assume you were oh, all selling pills. Holy shit! That I would actually buy a bottle of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at coming up with product ideas. I'll, I'll be the product idea guy. I just can't make it, but I'll okay. give you the ideas. <laughs> We could well, I mean, probably ironically sell some crystals, I bet. Karate crystals. Yeah, there you so go. Just sell, just add karate to anything and it sells itself. We'll make a really mean-spirited joke and then it'll be okay that we're selling them. That's all you really need to justify it. <laughs> but yeah, I see you. That seems fine. I see you still trying to distract. We're starting Anime Week. <laughs> oh, God. I just the, keep thinking about uh, how smoothly and quickly when you asked Jason Pargin if he also wanted to do this podcast, like clearly without checking his schedule at all, he said, I'm busy that day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. But then I would remind you, he, he went on to watch no. this. He went on to watch at least part of this <laughs> without having to do it for a podcast. I managed to not do it until last night. Like I knew this would be bad. I didn't even know what you guys were talking about when you're discussing it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not watching it until I fucking have. Yeah, I well, did here, it like three hours ago. <laughs> here is here is my thesis. As the only person here who knows and enjoys anime, I felt like a certain journalistic responsibility, like to be fair and balanced. So I tried to go into this podcast, like what looking for the subject matter with my thesis being. What if I'm the one who's wrong to like anime? Like, what if that's wrong of me? What if I shouldn't and you guys are right? And uh, with that in hmm. mind, I ask you two to watch a show called Kennel Tokorozawa starring Jimmy Onishi. And that's that should be fun. Jimmy Onishi is the uh, our favorite rashy little kobold of a man from the Japanese reality <laughs> comedy fight show documental. He's just... yeah. 
He's great. He's a confused I love, and I love constantly afflicted older man who breaks every joke he touches and goes out immediately. And we love him. And it's great. So for mm-hmm. Anime Week, uh, the three of us, we all have that in common. We've done the documentary things. I figured let's do the one anime that Jimmy Onishi has ever done in his life. This was apparently important enough to make it the one anime. Or maybe there's a very good reason <laughs> it was his one anime. <laughs> There clearly is. God, I remember when I we did the last documental, I said, I'm not going to do another documental one. And it's like you tricked me into doing another documental. <laughs> yeah, this is very, very much this is going to be in the do, feature play with documental. I want to make a comment right off the bat where when his voice came in, I kind of recognized it. But it also sounded like this might have been like a fan dub of the movie. Like Jimmy took a regular cartoon and changed it because the audio quality was super bad. Why was his audio like quality it sounded, worse? It was so yeah, much worse. It sounded really like than everybody else in the show. Like like an I'm I'm the juggernaut bitch version of a, a cartoon about a dog. Yeah, he had like a laptop and, like in 1997 that he's recording on. Yeah. So just to be clear, he fucks up everything on everything we've ever seen him do, <laughs> That's what including he does. just be the. Be the voice for a cartoon. He somehow fucked it well, up. Well, in in Kennel Tokorizawa, he plays the starring role as the dog Rin Tin Tin. And uh, it's a romantic comedy about a young girl and her dog. Erotic comedy? I think it's more... He does. The dog does want to fuck her. Yes. That is, that is what I was struggling to put into words. But sure. I mean, sure. that's... Yeah, mm-hmm. the whole plot is that he, he wants to fuck her and comically is like thwarted at every turn and that's the joke it's just like oh the, the dog wants to fuck the girl it's very funny yes. and to be clear <laughs> is that joke? this is not pornography in any traditional sense. i'm sure it's somebody's pornography there's nudity there's, there's no more than PG there's, some nudity. there's some butt crack and there's like like breasts with steam over them it's not overt uh okay. i think it was still sold just like in stores or shown wherever well who would show this and why but uh i think they could theoretically i mean you this was supposed to be a penis, but it's drawn like another tiny version of him. Yes. So, uh, you, so nothing is is quite right. over. I the don't line. think that makes it better. No, not <laughs> not like worse not, personally, not yeah. spiritually, but technically it does. But like that, that's what I'm saying is that this is not supposed to be something to jerk off to. It is supposed to be a good laugh for all in Japan. I can. OK, right off the bat, he says, hi, my name's uh, Rin Tin Tin. And he's talking like directly to the camera. And he explains how his name sounds like penis in Japanese. So I looked that up and slang for dick is chin chin. And if you get to chin chin from Rin Tin Tin, maybe you just have dicks on your mind. <laughs> like, like if like Snow Dogs didn't open up with Cuba Gooding Jr. going, okay, I get it, audience. Our movie sounds like blowjobs. Hi, I'm Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> like that's, that would be crazy. And yet that's how this dog fucking opens his cartoon. I have to imagine that's that's the inspiration for it. If nothing else, somebody was like, Rin Tin Tin, did you say Chin Chin? And they're like, no, not at all. Why, why would I have said that? Oh, oh go with me. Go what with if, me. What if the dog's name was Dick? And he is obsessed with Chikako, uh, his owner and the daughter of a couple that owns a pet store that they take care of. And he opens the show by saying he's like head over heels for her, but in a platonic way. And then there's a long beat. Right. And he looks to the camera and says, who am I kidding? Platonic. And then he pulls the blankets off of her and starts perversely just staring at her panties until she catches him, yep. beats him ferociously, hits him with an alarm clock and throws him down the stairs. Classic Tom and Jerry comedy. I mean, just. I want to I want to pause here because I had a lot of trouble understanding the rules of the universe 
They seem to exist in a world where people don't have sex with dogs, right? I And yet this seems like something that happens to her all the time. Like, oh God, my perverted dog is trying to have sex with me. I will beat it. Yes. This I is, thought they like, did exist. Like everyone else kind of treats the dog like a romantic option for her though. So I didn't know if this was like a world where sometimes people date yeah. their dogs. because so every They tell her to give him a chance. You're both right. And that's, that's what's true. so messed up about it. This is a world where, like our own, uh, people don't fuck dogs uh, on mm-hmm. on an average, <laughs> on like sure. like an average basis. And yet, also in this world, everybody really wants Chikako to fuck her dog, like all of her friends. Uh, the first, the next thing that happens is she goes to the shower, and he sits outside panting unpleasantly. And that's when you know this whole show features a lot. A lot of audio, like really subpar quality of audio of Jimmy Onishi just panting lustfully. So like if that's not your thing and it's not uh, this. this It's not anybody's. But like the the next thing that happens after that scene still in the beginning, she talks to her parents about how uh, she's a little upset that her dog always wants to fuck her. And they just could not be more down with this idea. Her dad pauses and says, well, that's what that's what happens when you live together. Nature may well take its course. Yeah, they're like, you already live with him. And it's like, that's your fault. Like, you're her parents. You bought her the dog. And then they're acting kind of like, well, you moved in with the dog into our house that you live live in. So how can you it live really with does it? does taint one of the purest loves of a, of a child and, and their pet. And how, like, wonderful and pure that love is. And then someone in Japan said, what if they were fucking? Yeah. And then several animators said, oh, we'll draw that. I was so And then several maniacs said, "Oh, we'll do the voices for that." <laughs> I was so offended on behalf of dogs cuz like the implication is the only reason he hangs out with her is cuz he wants to fuck her. And like dogs are so great <laughs> and they want like my yeah. dog cries if I go to the bathroom and she's like, "Let me in." <laughs> like I have to be seeing you or I'm going to die. And like in Japan they're like, that's that a means dark context to bring up that story. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Oh no. <laughs> You're gonna, you gotta recontextualize. See, that. do you see how it taints such a pure, joyous love? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all ruined. ruined my dog. Thank you. It's all, it's all ruined now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so the next scene, Rintintin uh, follows her, follows Chica go to school, uh, and starts ogling her ass while they do their morning calisthenics. And he shoves his face in her crotch, and she punches him out in front of all of her girlfriends. So this is like a public wacky joke. And they cut to the locker room where her friends, like we've mentioned, are then pressuring her to have sex with her dog. And what, at which point they say, aren't you a little curious about how it would be? He's so devoted that it'd be nice to give him a chance. Jesus Christ. See, I, I, I don't want to be a lunatic apologist, but like I took that as her friends fucking with her. Like, hey, hey you want to have sex with that dog? Come on. Like, like, like they're busting her balls, not like being genuine. But again... I don't know. And that's part of my problem with anime is uh, I didn't grow up with this culture. Uh, I have a feeling most Japanese people don't have sex with dogs. But like, is this like a running joke that they have? Like, I think maybe when a kid becomes 17, it's like, oh, you should consider having sex with a dog. (laughs) It's our little joke. Like, I thought the parents were were teasing her. And then she gets to school and her friends are also like, maybe you should fuck the dog. And I'm like, does everyone in this universe, is everyone in this universe okay with it? And then there's like one teacher that's very upset about it. And that's it. Everyone else is like... (laughs) Yeah, we get Why to not, a, we like get to a scene stopped, later. Like, if she just, in the middle of the cafeteria, just started going to town on the dog, 
would people be like, whoa, 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 we were not being serious. This is fucking crazy. No, they we we we're lucky that this this is uh, what like forty minutes long, so that they can explicitly explain. No, we weren't fucking with you. They all want her to hook up with the dog. Like they make that abundantly yeah. clear in time. My notes say it's six minutes in, and we've already had three events to establish the pattern of the dog going in for for actual sexual assault and her reacting by like beating it physically. And like, that's a very strange pattern to just establish right off but the that bat. But that is, that's the, that's uh, what I was saying with the Tom and Jerry thing. Yeah. Like you would need to internalize that because that's how the show works. That's sh- this show thinks that's enough to hang an entire concept on. It's like this cat and this mouse hate each other and they're just going to fight it out. So we're going to explore all the ways that that happens. Well, here's the thing. This dog wants to fuck his owner that's just what's going to happen. So we're going to explore every aspect of that. <sighs> All right. So they leave, they leave the locker room and uh, Chicago's best friend looks at Rin Tin Tin and says, don't give up uh, again, expressly about how he wants to fuck her human friend. She's rooting for him. And uh, the cafeteria is all abuzz with talk about her and the dog being an item. Again, they mention <laughs> because they live together and everything is a quote. Like most people keep separate apartments from their dogs in Japan. I'm not sure what the- Or there are no other dogs. Like maybe no other dogs exist in this universe because there's no other dogs at the school but him. He's the only dog there. Wait, I just had an idea. What if someone like came out of the woods and they said, hey, have you been living in a like a feral animal your whole life? Would you like to write a cartoon? (laughs) And then they said, sure. And then this is what they wrote. Like, now it sort of makes sense, right? right? Like, it's a romantic comedy where you don't really want to fuck this dog, but everything, you know, around you wants you to... Yeah, that's what happened. Like the world I know from the woods where I was raised by wild coyotes. I'm going to further posit that that feral animal was Jimmy Onishi and everything makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's 100% come together now. We've discovered the origin story. He's always itching. He's got weird diseases. He looks like he came from the woods. Here we go. That's it. The unifying theory of Jimmy Onishi. Uh, So how do you explain his fucking hungry hippo head, though? (laughs) Impossible. Uh, There's a there's a thing I'm going to get to later that will explain his hungry hippo head. (laughs) Okay, so back to the cafeteria. For some reason, all the other girls are clearly jealous about the implications of like her living together. Like as though she's very cosmopolitan to have this possible relationship with her dog. And then as Sean mentioned, the teacher comes over and says, are you a dog lover? And and Shikako says, well, my parents own a pet store. So he's like a human to me. And then the teacher breaks down in tears and says, you can't marry a dog. You're only in high school. And then runs away. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's jumping to a lot of strange conclusions in this conversation. Right. And that's, that's it. Aside from like some judgments, that's the only person that that thinks you probably shouldn't fuck dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And she's gone. Never seen again. Out of the, that, way, the voice of reason is fucking out of the universe. Out of the way like eight minutes into the show. And and that's gone. Uh, soon she's so scandalized she says she won't be able to attend school anymore because of all these dog fucking rumors that, are, that everybody else is so into. And uh, some local toughs hear about this and they, they corner her on the rooftop. And they're like, oh, you're into dogs. You must not have heard about men. Which is just a, a wild <sighs> assumption to make. Like, well, wait till I tell you about men. 
You'll be alarmed. Again, if you wrote this, <laughs> it's not if you've never happen. met a man and you lived your whole life in a coyote den, then maybe this is a normal thing to say. Again, I, I, this all holds true. So she calls for <clears> her dog's help. He charges upstairs and, you know, barks and attacks him and drives him away. She says, I'll repay you later. And he starts air thrusting graphically at her. So she jump kicks him unconscious and he goes, this is the thanks I get? Wacky sound effect. Yeah, and he uh. don't forget his catchphrase, his famous catchphrase, which he says every episode, which is hump, 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 which he says while he mm. humps. Hump, hump, everybody. Hump, hump. <laughs> I bet that was a Jimmy Onishi ad lib. <laughs> it's his, did I do that? <laughs> it is. It's all played <laughs> to, it's like structured just like a, a cartoon would be with just, this is the thanks I get wacky sound effect catchphrase, except for it's about fucking a dog. <laughs> this was 1992. We haven't mentioned that this is 1992. This is like not some like edgy, weird anime from like some dark pornographic post studio. In, it's not totally mainstream. Really. Like the internet yeah, ruined everything and we would expect the internet to have fostered this in some way. But this is pre really rise in ubiquitousness of the internet. So there is no excuse. Yeah. Seemingly broadcast on TV where people and children can yeah see because it. there are like there are ad breaks where they're like they yeah. assume there would be an ad here which is fucking a nuts assumption why you well, while you're drawing this you have to pause and be like well let's insert an ad break here this is like really just examining the pacing in our dog fucking show this is probably where the advertisers would want to come in right i think i would be real surprised if i like ran a mouthwash company or something and i got a letter saying hey hey I uh, I saw your ad on my dog fucking cartoon and want to thank you for making such a great product. I'd be like, wait, wait, wait. Is it, is it weird that what? I suddenly, when you said it was 1992, was like, what year did Airbud come out? <laughs> was this? Oh, no. <laughs> is this a, a very wrong swing at capitalizing on Airbud? Uh, but it came out in 1997. So if anything, this inspired oh. Airbud. Yeah. Yeah, this, this definitely inspire inspired, inspired that one scene in Airbud. Everybody yeah. knows. Maybe <laughs> Chicago and, and Rin Tin Tin's children are a air bud, and that's how he's so good at right. basketball. Because he's got that much human DNA in him. God damn it. <laughs> oh, really sorry to myself, to, to both of you, but also to myself. Yeah. You, I, yeah, did yeah, I did you, you, you don't get to be upset. <laughs> you did this to us. Yeah, we can have a reasoned discussion about this show. This shouldn't have been made, and anyone who would suggest it is a monster. And then we're done. Podcast over. Thanks. One nine hundred. Hot dog. Nope, we're still going. Uh, if if anything, we are at the start. So Chica, <laughs> That's she's like called Chica. One. <laughs> yeah, Chica wants to become a dog groomer in this bit in this episode, and uh, she has to practice. And her friends encourage her. And uh, you probably know where this is going, even if you wish you didn't and wish you could stop it. Uh, they call Rin Tin Tin to be their guinea pig by, does anybody remember how they do it? Oh, I have this in my notes. Yeah, oh, okay, they, go ahead. Oh, oh no, go, Sean, after you, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, to, to call in the dog that's not in the room, they grab the girl's skirt and crank it up so that her panties are showing. And that is how they call the dog into the room. Not, hey, Rin Tin Tin, here are the panties. It's just like, no, here's a, here's a, a waft of crotch air from a different room, and that dog is there instantly. And goes for the mouth uh, so as that's well. A hundred percent. Yeah, just like he took that as the, uh, I don't even, 
I don't even know what you'd call that. A dinner bell? I don't I don't know. It's disgusting. There's no there's no rational way to describe it. But yes, they uh they show the panties to the empty room and that summons a dog from a different room for sex. And I believe that's when they uh call him Japan's most sexually perverted dog. Which has to be the tagline of the show, right? <laughs> it yes. has yeah. to. That's also in my like, notes, Liddy. That, his uh, <laughs> Scooby-Doo name. Like, <laughs> it's like, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Rin Tin Tin, Japan's most sexually perverted dog. <laughs> I like that they have to specify. Just Japan. We're not making qualifications about the rest You're of the world. You're not fooling me. I can't see. <laughs> You're Japan's most sexually perverted dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the grooming scene they shave him they pierce him which just seems odd and tattoo him uh they put one tattoo uh across his belly that says sex pistas p-i-s-t lower lowercase a and s sex pistas most multiple sex tattoos one of the tattoos just said sex so yeah that's what i thought okay it's on everybody's mind yeah it's supposed to be sex pistols but sex pistas okay and then they say uh don't laugh at him uh he's very sensitive and they reassure intin by saying you look so good chica might be up for it just again so that's a real like well-translated like expression. You know what I mean? That's not like, that's the other thing about these subtitles is they were very Westernized. They weren't like, you know, broken English. Oh, right. Like, like it, she might be up for it is real conversation. Yeah. The subtitles are of a great translation quality, which is bonkers on its own. Uh, I've seen a lot of anime yeah. from 1992 that was much more mainstream than this and certainly didn't have anybody fucking their dog. And their subtitles were just utter garbage. Like you couldn't make heads or tails of what they were trying to say. So for this one to get such a careful, I got to assume it had an audience of something. Otherwise, while of at least one pervert, one, one pervert with a lot of money. It was like, we're doing this right. Yeah. I really, I'm sorry. I was just going to say one very smart pervert who's just spoke really good English and then was able to translate it. Well, (laughs) Okay, so that brings us to good our- friend. He, he does fuck dogs, but uh, he talks well. So that's <laughs> he's got his good qualities. He really, somehow he learned to speak in that forest and, and he came out with a bunch of money. I don't know where he got it. <laughs> uh, but that brings us to our first ad break. And that's where the big splash screen shows up and says, it's not easy growing up, but don't give up, people. <laughs> what? <laughs> Shut away. What? It's not easy growing up, but don't give up, people. As though this is a coming- Yeah, he's like story. talking directly to the children. Yeah, hey- you know when you're like trying to impress the human you're ha- trying to have sex with as a dog and they give you a bad haircut and no one's attracted to you anymore? <laughs> That's just part of growing up. Yeah. But you can so do it. Not, not only implies that they had advertisers or expected to have advertisers, which is a wild swing, but that it's directed at somebody that still has some growing up to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is the dog the protagonist or is the girl the protagonist? And it's saying like, because she learned she's not a good dog groomer. Like who? Oh, this is fully from the dog's. Yeah, POV. the dog yeah. says that this whole to the audience. Yeah. yeah okay. So yeah, yeah I this think is in our this one. The dog viewer insert is the dog. We're the dog yeah. in this. Again, story. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back That's to Tom viewer. and Jerry archetypes. Where like maybe most of the time we're supposed to root for Chikako to not be fucked by a dog, but every once in a while they throw in an episode where you're like, yeah, you're rooting for the dog now. <laughs> Never rooted for the no. dog. <laughs> I don't know if we're supposed to root for the dog. We're supposed to relate to the dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Neither and never. Thank you. 
<laughs> I said supposed to. I'm not saying, hey, I really see myself in Rin Tin Here's the next bonkers thing is after that ad break, they head to McDonald's and I believe it's an actual McDonald's. Like, I don't know if they if they actually show the name, but they show the golden arches and that's coming straight out of like him mounting her panties and just, it can't have been allowed, right? Yeah, they got sponsored by no, McDonald's. No, they come around a McDonald's. <laughs> they said, hey, can we use McDonald's in our cartoon? They said, sure, what's it about? Uh, uh, well, it's about a dog having sex with a little girl. And they're like, oh, sweet, of course, can yes. Can they be eating fries like right after one of those? Like just really associate, closely <laughs> right. associate. Show like a close-up of her opening the little package with the burger so that they're like, mm, McDonald's. <laughs> All right, so her friends are now chiding her for giving the dog a bad haircut and making him lose faith in his manhood. And they say exactly... Rin Tin Tin needs your love now, not as an owner, but as a woman. And they buy her a Aww. gift certificate for a hotel so she can go there and fuck her dog. And they pressure yeah. her. Is that a gift certificate? I had in my notes, they just gave her a wad of cash. They're like, here's, here's some hotel cash. Go get. Maybe they give it to her. They'd say, uh, here's a d- gift certificate, like for a hotel. Right. And then. Yeah. And she. Point is, she does yes. it. She gets a bed and breakfast. A romantic getaway at the coast with well, her Well, before dog. that, the- she, she looks out the window to see Rin Tin Tin is suicidal. He's on top of a highway overpass contemplating suicide because he can't marry her and have puppies with her, which I just, I know that's part of it. It's worse that you spell it out, though. And uh, so he's going to kill himself. She runs to save him, slips. I, I have something in my notes that I think is oh, important. Well. When he dreams of having puppies with Chicago, they show a little fantasy, like his his mind's eye. And their puppies are actual dogs, not human dog centaurs or baby wolfmen. Like, I just want to make that clear <laughs> yeah. that he pictures her as a yeah, dog, his not as a His understanding is that she's like the best dog, which is, I guess it's almost cute, but let's remember what's at stake here. Yeah, and he pictures like a full Christian wedding for them where she's in a white wedding dress and he's in a little tux uh-huh. and... Like a dog would. Yeah, right. and there's like a little church, like as if the church is going to bless the union of her and a dog. <laughs> so so he thinks of her as a dog, but himself as a human. Yes. And neither of them as a crime against God. As a, they have the or full Christian puppies. God's blessing. Yes. Anyway, there's a wacky antic where she slips and knocks him off, but he was just faking. He's nearly killed by a truck. And now all of her friends pressure her. After that show, you certainly have to do it. And she kind of has to give in at that point. She's like, okay. Yeah, she agrees. I don't want to, but let's at least go see what happens. My country's customs demand I have sex with a dog for that. <laughs> I'm yeah, in peer and this pressure. is like, like, I guess I should say that I spent the week before this watching really good movies at a film festival because for like two minutes here, right at this point, I was like, is this like a metaphor for like the pressure mm-hmm. young girls feel to have sex before they're ready? Because there's just like this guy hanging around her that like won't go away. And all of her friends are like, oh, he's been around for a long time. Maybe just give it a shot. He seems nice. Like, is it a metaphor for that? But then I was like, yeah. no, <laughs> it's just about the dog trying to fuck her. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It could. I feel like um, searching for deeper art in this is a mistake yeah. and can only lead to it's a mistake that many anime fans probably made. I have to assume <laughs> uh, we cut to a beach. The dog says, is this a sentimental journey? And wind blows. Uh, Chica wonders. What am I doing here? I liked um, that sentimental journey. Uh, there's no Japanese word for that. So he says, Sentimental journey, <laughs> which I thought was, uh, I thought that was kind of cute. <clears throat> and then a crab pinches Rintin's nose 
and he runs away making goofy noises because they're just wildly shifting tones within scenes. Uh, they go to a soda <laughs> shop where Chica sighs wif- wistfully and says, I just want to die. <laughs> Very documental joke. Like that's that must be really funny. I feel like in Japanese culture because they said that a lot on documental too. <laughs> yeah, it must be like there must be ways to say it where you're like, I just want to die is like, oh, what a bad day, and yeah. I just want to die. Like I want to kill myself because the waiter overhears this and he relays it to the owner, yeah. and they decide they decide they need to <clears throat> save a suicidal girl. And so the waiter has to follow her out of this soda shop to prevent her suicide. So it's it it's got to be taken seriously in some way. I had that same thought that maybe it's just like right. It is weird that that both of the main characters they do like a suicide joke with them in the course of like three or four minutes. It's troubling. Yeah, this is very much about dog fucking and suicide. Is what this show is about. <laughs> this so, lighthearted Tom and Jerry esque comedy. Right. So dog fucking. So a plot. A plot. Of course. Whose idea was this? Whose idea was it to watch this? Oh, God, I, I wish I could remember. <laughs> so a, a plot for this show is maybe I should fuck my dog, and B plot is everybody is suicidal. <laughs> the good times, the good times we had. <laughs> the young girl who would rather kill herself than fuck her dog, and the waiter trying to prevent her suicide, who is comically mistaken for a love interest. And it's a PG animated comedy in Japan. That's what we're watching. <sighs> My notes have something about an octopus. Are we at the we're octopus part yet? Well, you have to explain that part. Before, <laughs> Can't wait to hear that. So before, uh, Rin Tin Tin, in the only bit of the show that I like, until I don't, until the octopus part, and I really don't, but I like the bit mm-hmm. where he keeps finding like gross sea creatures and bringing them to Chica, and she's like, what are you doing? And he just says, they're my friends, which is, that's totally what a dog would do. Tomodachi. Yeah. Tomodachi. yeah. I did like that too, actually. I did this. Yeah, and he I says, like the seal bit. He says Tomodachi, <laughs> like every time, like, mm-hmm. just, they're my friends. Yeah, and uh, it's adorable. So he brings her like a half dead sea cucumber and she orders him to dispose of it. And he makes his way to a cliff that she just directed to. And suddenly she thinks he's going to kill himself, even though she was like, you get rid of this and he's just going to do it. She rushes after him yelling his name, which again kind of sounds like penis. So the waiter thinks that this (laughs) this girl just broke and started yelling dick and went to leap (laughs) off of a cliff. So he goes to save her and uh, he catches up to her and she tries to play it off like a chance meeting. And she says something like, uh, my problems are bigger than the sea. And he tries to like console her, but then she thinks he's in love with her and they should go out for tea. It's like, it's a lovely Hugh Grant of a misunderstanding, if not for the dog fucking. Uh, this is the octopus scene. So Rin Tin Tin, now that we've established, he is just kind of finding gross half dead sea creatures. He's wandering the shore and he finds an octopus and he goes to pee on it. But the octopus attacks his genitals. And this, uh, turns on Rin Tin Tin, so he he orgasms into the attacking octopus, and then, I think I have this right, he leaps in the air, does like a Power Rangers pose, and says, I'm alive again, and then the octopus comes off, and we see his erection, and it has his face. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah that's it's exactly what I had in my notes. That's what happened. <laughs> so this having just happened, uh, Rin Tin Tin goes to see Chica and he sees her with the waiter and he hates this. So he runs up and has his octopus blast her with ink and God probably still some of his cum. And then he flees while the cute waiter boy tries to console her. And it's this is just like this is now the this is now the show's pattern is that she and the waiter are about to like fall in love. 
and then he cock blocks her with the strange sea creature on his head. Yes, this is this is a running bit where there is now, I believe, one of several love triangles between uh, somebody that either doesn't want her or she doesn't want, and a dog trying to fuck her. So the waiter promises he's going to see her later tonight, and he will show her his turtle. And for some reason, she thinks that means dick. Also, do you do you have like a did you look that one up, Sean? You want to go ahead and explain that one? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, I took that to mean that uh, <clears throat> this waiter had a, just a weird little dick that sort of looked like a turtle. <laughs> and uh, when he got an erection, it went from like one inch to two inches, like like a turtle, like a turtle poking his head out. I like that's how she how, just that's assumed, how I took it. Like they're on a beach and it didn't even cross her mind that it might be a literal turtle when they've seen so many sea creatures that day already. And he <clears throat> he specifically promises that it's going to help her realize how precious life is, which is just a totally normal thing for a man to promise a woman about his penis. That's true. I, I, I want to make the point that it's not impossible. She thought he was going to like have sex with her with a turtle. Like he's going to just bring a turtle out and say like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just ram this up your skirt. And that's, that's the, those are the rules of your universe that I, I don't know. That, that's, that's not impossible is my point. Any way you cut it. It's a bad, don't do that at home. That's, you'll get salmonella. It's not, it's not great, but, um, but I don't know. I don't, but this maybe have sex with your dog because he deserves it. I mean, it's yeah. been a long time. Don't you think? No. Uh, but any way you phrase it. Here's what does happen. Go ahead. Uh, so she goes to the beach, like expecting this waiter to show up, and she's like in like a little nice dress with spaghetti straps because it was 1992. Yeah, it's like a and then something from the shadow dress. I love that dress. Yeah, that she was gonna show up to yeah, lose her virginity very. in. She looks real nice in it. Uh, a lovely, a lovely dress for losing your virginity on a sandy beach. And so from the shadows comes something that starts taking off her clothes, and she's like, "Oh, here comes the waiter." Like a ninja tearing my clothes off, and she's and into you it. live in a world and like where a dog is constantly audience, trying to have sex with yeah. you. Yeah, so you we know what this is as the audience, and they don't reveal for a very long time. Where we're like, oh my god, what was it? Twenty minutes before they finally show. Yes, of course it's the dog, and she's you know being molested by a dog, and then here comes the waiter, and he's not there just for a solo turtle night. He's he leads turtle breeding tour groups, and so he has a whole bunch of people with him that turn on a flashlight on her and like, oh, here's here's where this this human lady has sex with dogs next to the sea turtles. <laughs> and they all get freaked out. Good for them. And leave. And do you, uh, and do you have what he says to her before they leave? Of course I do. I'm glad you asked. Uh, the dog goes, love grows through adversity. Hump, hump. Shutter wipe. <laughs> that's, the, that's the splash screen. What the tour guide says to her is he looks her dead in the eye and says, now I understand why you want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I did skip that. <laughs> she chases after him saying, it's not what you think, but it is, though. It's exactly what they think. Yeah, it's exactly what and he thinks. And then the splash screen, again, uh, let's reiterate, a break for advertisers. And <laughs> Rin Tin mm-hmm. says, love grows through adversity. Hump, hump. Yeah, that's part of the dialogue. Hump, hump. Yeah, too. yeah. he does. Yeah, <laughs> I like that he says it every time. And then we come to our thankfully last episode. Uh, Chica is on a field trip. With a 43-year-old teacher who looks 74, uh, she trips on the steps and Rin Tin Tin instantly mounts her in front of everyone going hump hump, as he does, wacky, wacky stuff. And she runs, she flees from That dog is just so horny for her, it just has no control. (laughs) And in public, and she runs and clings to her teacher for safety, and her teacher looks intrigued. So he has mistaken this for 
a romantic advance. Yeah, he's instantly like, oh, she's in love with me. And this, is, and he's not horrified at this and worried for his job. Uh, he is super into it. And so this becomes a love triangle mm. between a much older man trying to have sex with a student and the dog trying to have sex with her and their love triangle. And again, a children's now let me comedy. Describe the elegance of the writing. Like at this point, the writer knows that he has to have some sort of like comical misunderstandings lead to this teacher, like getting the wrong idea. So he's teaching a uh, derivative equations, which is very advanced for a 17 year old dog fucker. And she stands up and she has like some questions about it. And then while she's standing up talking to the teacher, the dog comes up behind her and just starts sucking her asshole. I, I, there's just no gentle way to put I, I put it. a little, so she, little like, gentler. I said he's dry humping her crotch from behind. With his okay. Uh, sure. That makes sense. Uh, so she's kind of embarrassed by this. And the whole class is looking right at this. There's no reason the teacher wouldn't see this out of like 70% of his vision. And she's like, oh, a little embarrassed trying to still ask about the derivative equations. And he sees this blushing and he's like, oh, wow, this kid is so into me. And now he thinks she's falling in love. And then she sits back down. Again, it's not a normal way to ask a question, I don't think, is to stand up and then walk to the front of the class with a dog just fucking face deep in your butthole. Uh, anyway, without without comment, without being like, stop it. That's their like... Three's company style, like comical misunderstanding. Mm. Well, yeah. And it's, again, everyone's just like very supportive of this relationship of the teacher and the student, mm-hmm. the 50 year old teacher and the student, just like they are with the dog. It's like if anyone in this world shows any romantic interest in this girl, they're like, you should go for it. Yeah, you should, you should bang your teacher, but maybe give the dog a little bit first. I mean, he's, you don't want, but they, somebody in this does look at this and says, what a stupid love triangle, which I feel <laughs> is understating it dramatically. Yeah. It is funny that the side characters narrate the whole thing just to like clear up the audience. Like this is what's happening. Like the, I don't want you, the, the viewer to misunderstand, like the dog and the teacher are both trying to fuck this little girl. Yeah. That would ruin our, our viewing experience if we didn't get <laughs> that the dog and yeah, the teacher are both trying to fuck this girl. And yet by making that decision, <laughs> they have now like, to have the the classmates all aware of this and narrating this, it makes them seem super into it. Like we have a vested interest in like making this happen and watching it. Right. So now everybody, everybody's at fault and there is no good man left in the world. So they go on a field trip. Most perverted dog. (laughs) (laughs) So they go on a field trip now and it's nighttime in the woods and there's a courage test game where a boy and a girl must work together to find a sign hidden somewhere in this area. And the teacher. Wait, I have one question about that. Is it all like older male teachers and female students or are those students too? I think those are supposed to be students. I think he's the only teacher there. Like he has brought the class there possibly just as an excuse to try to bang a student. Well, one of the girls said, I I want the English teacher. And I was like, does that mean there are other teachers there? I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's a non pervert teacher that they could have. Well, let's not make any assumptions. (laughs) He could be in his own anime about trying to fuck his cat. We don't know. (laughs) Coming up next on the next episode of the Dogs Out Not That (laughs) (laughs) With special guest, Chained to a Radiator, Lydia Bug, who did not want to watch it. Jason Parker could do that one. (laughs) (laughs) So the teacher and Chica are paired together. He grabs her hand and leads her off into a graveyard. There's so much wrong with this, and I'm not finished with the setup. 
all the other students see this and they hate Chica for it, but only because they're so uh-huh. jealous because they pretty much what's get what's going on and they want to not only let it happen, but watch still not done with the setup. Yes. The teacher wants Chica to be scared so that she'll run to him for comfort and jump into his arms. Mm-hmm. But uh Oh, the dog that wants to fuck her is here too. Whose arms will she jump into? I am done with setup. That's what we're dealing with. Those are the stakes. All the children watching from the bushes know these stakes. No one calls the police. Everybody loves it. Yeah, and the the dog and the teacher keep shooting laser eyes at each other because they both know that they want to fuck the girl. And she seems kind of oblivious. Like, Like, there's no way you can be oblivious after having been mounted so many times. Well, yeah, yeah. But, like, to the teacher, she's just kind of like... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was. I think kind of triage. I liked the laser eyes because uh, I sort of like the cartoony cuteness of it, but also it's so heavy handed that it helped reassure me that none of this was a metaphor. None of these <laughs> yeah. things are yeah, symbols. You should get it by now. This is, yeah. This is, this is just what's happening. There's no second level for you to escape to mentally and try to, try to yes. examine themes like you're not in it. You're just in it. You're in the trenches now. <laughs> so there's some wacky shenanigans where she gets scared, runs to the dog or the teacher. Each have terrible consequences any way you cut it. And finally, the teacher finds the sign, but he throws it away so that he can keep pursuing this devil's three-way with a student and her dog. <laughs> and that's when God. a snake bites Chica. Oh, I, I do want to talk before we get to the snake. Um, there's a scene where he he knows his romantic rival is a dog and he knows the dog's weakness is bones. So he throws a bone, but the dog like retrieves it and comes back too quickly. So he frantically starts digging for more bones. He's like, I got to find a fucking bone, got to find a bone. But they're in a graveyard. So he accidentally defiles a human grave and pulls up a skull. And then they, that's like a little jump scare, like I got, I got a skull. And then like, they're just back to the previous cartoon where they weren't digging up human so graves. So there are yeah. antics. I don't know if it was a jump yeah. scare or more like a punchline with a... The punchline is human skull. <laughs> like I was quite terrified. It worked on me is, is <clears throat> the point I'm making. I've been terrified from the start to the finish on, on not, not a jump scare <laughs> level, but a much worse slow burn level that uh, that just poisons me from the inside. Much like the snake bite mm-hmm. Chica got on her ass. And I wish you could not see where this is going, but you do. You do. Yeah, everyone saw where this was going and it takes fucking 30 minutes to get there. Like, we're like, okay, somebody's got to suck the poison out of the ass. It's like, no, the show does not get there as quick as the viewer. It's a big deal, and we've got to dance around it for a long time. But they, they go to war over who should suck the poison out of her ass. Either her, this old man, teacher, or her dog are the only two options. Her friends are all there. Well, I think plan A was to go for help. But neither one of them wanted to go for help because that would leave the other alone with her, and they would fuck. Right. Uh, Which is what generous. I mean. It's like, plan A was not sucking the poison out. P- plan A was... To go get like a snake bite doctor. And plan yeah. B is she flees this entire scene, like trying, like, mm-hmm. I don't want either of you to suck my ass, please. And they won't let her. They tackle her and bring her back and then play rock, paper, scissors to see who can suck the poison out of her ass. Yeah, she tries to, to clear, escape. That's an escape attempt. Yes, she does make an escape attempt. To be clear, the teacher says either out loud or an internal monologue uh, that he pulled her back so that no one could see. Like, he's not pulling her back uh, out of some weird instinct to keep her from moving. He pulls her back because they're at a place where he knows no one can watch him 
molest it a child. It is an extremely so dark like, show, and yet still being played. Yes, it's in the the text of the cartoon. What's happening? And still being played for yucks and giggles, just as a big wacky cartoon. Yes. So they play rock paper scissors, suggested by Robert Brockway. <laughs> they play rock paper scissors because the dog can only do what paper, and uh, yeah, that's what. But he then thought. he twists his arm into being rock wackiness. The dog wins. And she bears her ass to the dog, and he licks her, and she screams, where are you licking? Kicks him in the face. The teacher says, where did the dog lick you? And she screams, that's not important. But it did. It does happen. It does happen. Uh, if she would have said it, he would have got off right there. If she would have said, my crotch, go, 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 go. That, that would have There been is it a for big him. slurping I just noise. want to point out, this is the most danger anyone has ever been. She's dying of a snake bite. And there's a dog and an old man who are much more interested in molesting yeah, fighting her. over who gets to uh, molest her corpse is what they're doing. I'm saying if you take this show seriously, there have never been higher stakes. This is so much danger. And they're worried that as she's dying of the snake bite, if they go and get help, she'll fuck the other one. Whoever's left. Yes. And this is it. The big so. final comedy bit that closes the show. Dog cunnilingus while her teacher watches. This is it. Big, big joke, everybody. <sighs> And to close it out, the dog and the teacher are both bitten by snakes because they, they get what they deserve, I guess. And her friends rush in and they say, you won, Rin Tin Tin. You're the best. I got to say, <laughs> I, did laugh, I did laugh at the dog and the teacher both getting bit by the snake because the snake is still there the whole time. They don't go any. Yeah. She gets bit. They don't they don't leave. They're still standing there. The snake's still there. Then it bites the teacher. Then it bites the dog. Then finally, her friends who've been watching the entire time as these three people are bit by a snake finally intervene and come and easily apprehend the snake if there's any sort of a good yep. samaritan law in japan and i'm going to assume there is not based on this the existence of this show somebody should have stepped in and stopped it if there was but all of those kids are going to jail yeah. forever for just watching all of forever. these atrocities they watch the darkest sex crime that's ever been <laughs> With a snake involved. And they're just like, no, let's see how this plays oh God, out. I'm bored. You guys didn't even mention the dog got bit on the boner. The, do the dog got bit, but it was on the, the dog-faced boner well, that happens. Dog. That happens a little bit later uh, after they all rush in. And they say, you're the best Rin Tin Tin. And he does his Power Ranger pose with his dick out that looks exactly like him. And then a snake bites him on the boner. And that's how we close <laughs> the show. That's how we, how we go out. We go out on the snake biting the boner that looks like the dog. We close on a touching pop song over credits, flashing back to all the adventures we've had so far, each and every one about a young girl trying not to fuck her dog. All right. So after the show, there's, and I'm not fucking kidding, there's a program to dissect the show for fans like they do for The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or some other flagship program. It's live action. It's called At Home with Akiko, our host. And she says, I, she thought, I think that translates to... Uh, talking dog fucking. <laughs> she o she opens this this post show by saying, "If you don't want to see more, just turn your TV off." <laughs> it's a good and then, idea. And, and then I, was I got the Akito. <laughs> <laughs> she introduces her first guest as Rin Tin Tin himself, which is a man in a dog costume. Not even trying to match the show. I think it might be a bear costume. Anyway, it's Jimmy. It's Jimmy Onishi, and he crawls on all fours into the set. And immediately molests the host. He jumps on her. He thrusts at her legs. It's terrible. It's a terrible oh, way to start. Fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's like a fucking Twin Peaks nightmare. <laughs> it just, it's absurd, but also yeah. very threatening. 
Uh, she calls out his shitty costume, so he threatens to molest her again. So he knows that it's a threat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to skip over a lot of the first interview unless Didn't you really like want to cover it. She says, Rin Tin Tin has a great sense of smell. And then they set out three women's shoes and have him guess which one belongs to her. Yep. And he's still uh-huh. in the dog costume. Well, he's like, I'm like, this is very clearly someone's fetish. This guy in a yep. dog costume smelling all these shoes. If you didn't guess <laughs> that it was a fetish thing before with the entire show, you really need to get better at guessing. You need some guessing practice <laughs> because it definitely you're, is. You're busted. You thought you got away with it just making the cartoon about a little girl fucking a dog. But when you put the shoes out, you're busted, buddy. <laughs> so now there's once you're smelling feet. We know this is a sex thing. Yeah, like most of it was so normal, but this part was really weird. <laughs> but this is actually in The Shining. We know what's going on. This is this is a scene from The Shining. Uh, there's a long segment now where a grown man in a budget dog costume huffs women's shoes while making excited hump hump noises. Uh, they they he picks the red shoe and they check to see if he's right, and he is. And then Akiko reveals the shoes belong to Jimmy's manager. Uh, so he like well he fake he fake throws up. Uh, at some point, though, he was married to his manager, so I guess the joke is that he hates his wife, but he would love to huff the reporter's shoes, which is just a, a Jimmy Onishi quiet dignity kind of move. Like, this seems like, a watching this, I was like, oh, this guy probably begged to be on Documental. Like, he loves this. <laughs> he loves yeah. being humiliated all the time. They start to like phone out of this segment and Jimmy breaks character to demand another line because all he's said so far is hump hump, which like, yeah, you probably don't want to go down in history like that. So they let him have the chance. He pulls the dog mask off, turns to the camera and says, I don't get it, but it's a great David Lynch ass way to end this fucking shoe huffing nightmare. Yeah. Holy shit. What if you played it all in reverse? Maybe it makes sense. (laughs) So he goes, puts a mask on hump humps finds a shoe oh it does make sense fuck that's perfect backs out of the room slowly Mm -hmm. on all fours so now it's an interview with jimmy himself what you like some coffee david now they're interviewing jimmy himself but he doesn't get to change out of the dog costume i'm gonna assume like that's his choice uh he's naturally very itchy all throughout the interview because i think that's how he lives his life they ask a series of questions to him and if he's doing a bit about how sad he was to take this role, it's a very convincing bit. <laughs> every answer is the saddest answer you can possibly have to every question. <laughs> they asked. I really liked how he said the hardest part of acting was reading. <laughs> like, it seemed real genuine. Like, no, I can't fucking read. <laughs> they ask how he. You want to know the hardest part of voice acting? Illiteracy. You fucking you asshole. The hardest Akiko? part about driving? It's still illiteracy. these signs say important things that i can't read (laughs) so they ask how he felt to land the role does anybody have that one down oh i i think didn't he just say it was good to have money he said i was just happy to have a job and that's as far as that's as far as he elaborates he doesn't continue on after these these one sentence answers are his answers uh I didn't write any notes about like the interview itself. Um, I the only note I put was uh, that she talks to him like a child, but she should be more concerned. Like he's a two hundred pound man with the mouth of a hungry hippo and the impulse control of a horny cartoon dog. And I and feel like she's be, in more danger than she yeah, thinks. He's she's supposed in. to be method acting as a molesting dog specifically, yeah. and she's locked in what appears to be a closet with him. <laughs> yes. So they ask how he tackled the role, and since you don't have it in your notes, I'll just fill these out. He says. 
Made a lot of humping sounds. <laughs> I do remember that. Like, I didn't have to take notes on that because, she, like, when with artistic inspiration that profound, I'm like, oh, I'm going to remember that. I can take this with me into my every work. Every one of those things, I, I think you can see him grow de- more demoralized. So she asks if he thinks it went well, and he says, you saw for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a mess, lady. And, you know, hump hump isn't even like a... What, what do you call it? Like an onomatopoeia? He could have said bonk, bonk. Yeah. Like, not to give the show notes, but if you're going to make a humping <laughs> sound, I think bonk, bonk is is better than hump up. Well, personally. you risk losing the real young kids that way. They might not oh, get Oh, yeah. They might not get okay. that the dog wants to have sex with the woman. That's it. Oh, my God. Was that the... Is that what was going on? Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> she asks, so you wouldn't want to do this again? And he says... I don't think I'll get the chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if he meant that because he's going to die because he lives in the trash or if like- I think I'm going back to the so woods after this. this and I burned a lot of bridges there. <laughs> there are some bears that are real mad at me. Uh, do you have advice for aspiring voice actors? And he says, do it if you think you can. Wait, also remember that she tagged on at the end of that question. She like whispered to him, I heard you're going to be involved with a two if there's a two. And he just kind of shrugged. Yeah. <laughs> like, he like, he knew, yeah. like, there's not going to be a there's two, lady. Be a two. And I'm not going to be around to see it. Let's be real. <laughs> I think you're paying me enough that I can just overdose on opioids. <laughs> it's really rare to see someone on TV with this little media training. Like, he has no idea how to answer a question in an interesting way. He's uh, obviously uh illiterate maniac. Uh, Dressed in a dog costume, walking in a closet. Dressed in a dog costume, yes. With just (laughs) shoes that have made him very horny. She's like, hey, smell these shoes, and then let's just see what happens. Okay. okay. Uh, A lot of people have died after this, though. I mean, just fair warning. (laughs) This is kind of my my incredible Hulk trigger right here. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, they close out that interview, and there's a contest where you can win prizes. It's a spot the difference contest. They throw to Jimmy for the rules and they did not tell him he'd have to do this before. So he, because he stumbles out, watch the video. Like those are the rules. <laughs> yeah. And then they roll. No improv roll skills. the video. And it's the octopus coming scene, <laughs> which is arguably in a show of all worst scenes. It's one of the worst. And they, they now think yeah. we will watch it at least twice carefully trying to spot the difference they think they can demand that of you they think they have earned that right i want to make it very clear that he pees in the octopus and it latches onto his butthole and that's the entirety of that scene no no he does and clearly so orgasm saying, in it well okay but i'm saying like in this series of actions like these are the the two verbs you use pee and genital latch and so like <laughs> orgasm genital latch yeah. Your, your brain's wrapped around the concept. And now they're saying, hey, what's different with that scene and this scene? And then they show a clip where there's like a sea cucumber and a crab and a seal. And it's just like, well, yeah, everything that wasn't those first two things is different. Like like the, when the background changed and suddenly the octopus was a crab biting him on the nose, like that's a different thing. And Well, it sounds like and you I'm like, spotted is it, all is the it sarcastic? Yeah, no, I did pretty good, I think. But Well, that's great news. I, I'm, my point is, I, I just don't think that if you have a brain formed enough, like if you're six months old, you're going to ace this test. If, if you can recognize 
what an octopus is and how that might be different from a thing that's not an octopus. Like you're you're done. This isn't like oh hey we changed an element of the background. Is is my point? Well, you can clearly the dog, see Jimmy. There's, does... there's four windows on the lighthouse. Like no no no. The octopus is now a crab and it's biting him on a different part of his boner. I should, we should say too that when the dog uh, does orgasm, he flies through the air, sort of like the transformation scene in Sailor Moon, like kind of does mm-hmm. like a little midair spin, and the background changes, like he's turning into a, a moon princess. But it's just him orgasming with an octopus on his like dick. Yes. Oh my God! Is that what the transformation <laughs> scenes were supposed to represent? Maybe Sailor Moon makes sense. No, 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 I'm not. No. (laughs) Anyway, it sounds like Sean is ready to win himself one of a hundred Kennel Tokorozawa mugs. That's the prize for the Spot the Difference contest. Those exist. Jimmy (laughs) Onishi dog fucking mugs that you can win. There were a hundred. There better still be a hundred. Unless somebody out there. Okay. Somebody out there has one. eBay. Find us. Find us a Jimmy Onishi dog fucking mug. Nobody ever drink out of it. Oh, my God. There's definitely an autographed one out there, too. <laughs> well, there's an X on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't write. That's true. <laughs> uh, she closes it out by asking what Jimmy Onishi's plans are for the future. And he says, I'm thinking of becoming a pimp, which is a great answer. She says goodbye. And he turns to her and says, good luck to you, ho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with funny. like a real aggressive voice. Like he's like, oh, here's here's the bit. I call you a whore. <laughs> like whoa and they say they hope they see us again in the sequel which i don't think ever happened and jimmy they pan in on jimmy waiting for him to do it and he does sadly say hump hump (laughs) the end (sighs) not bonk bonk not bonk bonk which is better anyway uh Happy Anime Week and good luck to you hoes. Play this podcast back again and try to spot the differences. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. It's a podcast canal. Und mit maximalem Schau. Doc Frankfurt podcast. Correct. Yeah. The craft is nicht trapped, is nicht ohne. Schickt in the Hundesau. Vier eine Stunde. Kopf schon. Du kennst die Nummer. Love is in the air tonight as 60, count of 60, swinging singles vie for the attention of one lovely mate. Takes a king to rule a country, but only love rules supreme. It's love supreme, let's meet our competitors. Three Finger Louie, Aaron Croston, Adrian H. Aiden Moat likes long walks on the beach. Oh, took that one early, step up your game, singles. Alpha Scientist Javo. Andreas Larson. Armando Nava likes short walks on the beach. A big swing. Benjamin Cyronin. Finn Talson. Brandon Garlock. Ryan Saylor likes running on the beach. Hey, all right. Brianne Whitney. Brockway loves the meat millet. Yes, he does. Sarah. Rev. Chase McPherson likes medium length beach drives. Okay, yeah, all right. Get that one. Chris Brower, Curious Glare, Dan B, Dean Costello, Donald Finney, 
Dr. Awkward likes horseback riding on the beach. See, that's how you do it, Chase McPherson. That's how you do it. We got Eric's Balder, Fancy Shark, Jell-O, Hambone, fucking loves the beach. Their words, their emphasis. Haraka, Hot Fart. Jacob Thornburg would make love to the beach if only society would allow it. Okay. John Dean, John McCammon, John Minkoff, Josh S. Ken Paisley is the beach. Nope, I'm not following on that one, Ken. Oh, he's doing a beach impression now. That's actually really good. K&M, laziest man on Mars. Mark, Matt Riley races the beach to the horizon every night and will do so until he catches her. Hey, that's beautiful, Matt. Michael Lair, Michael Wells, Mike Stiles, Moju, N.D. Neil Bailey writes, if you cut me, do I not bleed sand? He's, he's cutting himself now. Good lord, it is sand, masterfully played. Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Nick H, Ozzy Olin. Patrick Herbst has just legally changed his name to Beach McSlop. I, I get Beach, is there a significance to McSlop? No, he's shaking his head no. Rain Vargas, Rhiannon, Rich Joslin, Sarkovsky. Spotting Reception just bought the beach, and no other contestants are allowed on it. Baby, if you like the beach, there is one game in town. Ted H has just murdered Spotty Reception and stolen the beach team. Looking back, this one was inevitable. Timmy Leahy. Toasty God has dynamite in a dream. Won't you make a new beach? Together? Hey, if that doesn't work on them, Toasty God, it worked on me. Tom Sekula. Tommy G. Yosarian. And our stunning star, the center of all this attention and deserves every bit of it. The gorgeous, the talented, Jaber Al Aiden whose turn-offs include the beach. Oh, but wait, turn-ons? Dynamite, we got a match. Let's love Supreme, folks.